What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Ask anybody else in this country right now, what's the most important thing that's happening right now? I can tell you in my household, there's only one question that needs to be answered, and that's, what the fuck happened to the Carolina Panthers last night? (laughs) (laughs) Atlanta? Atlanta? Uh, Okay, okay. This is true. This is true. Yeah. I mean, Atlanta, you got to give them credit. Like, that defense... Well, yeah, that defense looked—they looked really good, and they, they were, were very good. impressive. But, but, but there is a but. Carolina's offensive line, <laughs> Carolina's offensive line is just hammered dog shit. They are—they were hammered flat dog shit. They are not even—they are. Oh my god, they are not even mediocre. I mean, Bridgewater was getting. Rushed, hurried, sacked. I mean, damn near the whole game. Is so, Atlanta yeah, that I, good? I'm, I'm putting no, well, the defense. They played that good, but I mean, when you have a when you have an offensive line made of Swiss cheese, <laughs> I mean. So yeah, I'm I'm putting that one on. I'm gonna put that one on. Uh, I'm gonna hang that one on the uh, the offensive line. I hate to do it, but I hate to do it, but um, the Atlanta Falcons coming off one of the worst seasons. defeats in, in a, no, no, not even seasons. But you know what happened to them the week before, right? Oh yeah, the Madden, the Madden play. <laughs> they completely crumble. Well, but well, yes, they crumble, but only after Gurley forgot to kneel on the one. <laughs> Anybody who's played Madden in the last ten years knew what to do on that play. And he forgot to do it. And then Matt Stafford, Matt Stafford comes down the field like he's Peyton fucking Manning. And like, like there was nobody else on the field. And then just, but, and then they just use that as, as fight fuel, fighting fuel. Well, I will say this. The Carolina Panthers. I will say this because it was because of that last game that when um, Carolina was, had the ball and was marching down the field. I'm like, yeah. I, we could use one of those right now. <laughs> yeah, right. But <laughs> no. Once again, because <laughs> Bridgewater got sacked. Because he has a shitty offensive line. If, and, and if this is not addressed in the offseason, I really question my fandom. I mean, they pay, they pay people lots of money to make these decisions. Brian, let me. I, I'm, it's so funny how these conversations that we have, that half of them are kind of like we talk about the segue, the like the beginning intro, and then we just let it flow naturally. This is another one of those circumstances. 
today I'm watching, you know, in at work in between appointments, I'm looking up on ESPN.com and I, like I see how you put in between appointments. At in be, work. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So, but it's like the 30 seconds and I, you know, I'm looking and it says the Baltimore Ravens uh, gave one of their players and God knows that 75% of the listening audience who hear our show will be like, oh, I know exactly what he's talking about. Great for you. But for the casual Joe Blow football fan who's not from Baltimore, they were like, oh, yeah, he they gave him a $100 million extension. And I went, what? Like, I don't even know this guy. He's not a household name. And if I'm sorry, but if he's not even a household name to a more intensive everyday football fan, is he really worth $100 million? And the reason why I'm mentioning that is because you see these specialty players in in very niche spots on the football field making $100 million in the contract extensions, yet every single football team in the NFL seems to have a devastating lack of dominating fat white guys and fat black guys blocking on the offensive line. Exactly. And it it seems to be the Achilles heel of all of these teams. Like, look at them. Oh yeah, so we we have a we have a hundred million dollar cornerback. Well, that's great. He can only he can only defend one guy, and sometimes in zone he can defend one and a half guys. Sometimes, but that leaves seventy five percent of the rest of the offense that needs to be defended. On the offensive line, if you don't pay those fat white guys or black guys, color doesn't matter. It's just what I those fat guys, those five fat guys in the front. The rest of the offense doesn't move. Look at the teams in the NFL right now. Our, our, our next door neighbor is a Cincinnati Bengal fan. Do you oh, wow. see what Joe, Do you see what Joe Burrow is doing right now? No. Joe no. Burrow right now has thrown for more yards, and he will obliterate the the passing yardage for a rookie record in the NFL. There, the second place will be so far. There's not really even a second place. He threw for 400 yards last week. Oh, he threw it 50 times, but he's getting he's getting sacked faster than any other quarterback in the NFL. He literally has just over a second to throw the football, and he's still finding a way to throw for 400 yards a game. Could you imagine what these guys are going to do if they actually have some fat guys in front of them that can block? That is very impressive. But I mean, How, that, but that, 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 that's case, that's case in point, like. Offensive and defensive linemen. That's that's the core right there. I mean, that's where everything starts. The snap of the balls from the Thank center. Thank you. You know, Thank everything you. is right there. They don't get talked about. It's not a glamorous position, but and it's one thing that uh, it was uh, Joe Buck and uh, <laughs> Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, I think, uh, calling the game. And you know, one thing that they mentioned. It's those it's those little one on one battles. You have to yeah. win those little one on one battles, and that's right. That that's the game. Right. You know, and it's the so quarterback doesn't get if he doesn't get time to do his checkdowns, and he's run scrambling for his fucking life. Yeah. Then you've already lost. Right. Okay. Let me. And this is the thing. No matter who wants to argue this point, and they're like, "Oh no, it's on the superstars. It's in the weapons." Who's the first person or the first group of people since I'd say the '80s when this became popular, probably before that, 
But who's the first person or group of people that quarterbacks buy gifts for after they win the Super Bowl? The linemen. The linemen. The linemen linemen all get Rolexes. They all get thank yous for that. Not the fucking wide receivers, not the running backs. They come later, but the first ones, because anybody that's made their money in the NFL knows where this begins and ends, and it's with the offensive linemen. You know, when you walk up, and people don't even notice this when they watch a football game, but when you watch the quarterback come up and call out the, the, the Mike linebacker, you know who's actually told him who the Mike linebacker is? The fucking center with his ass in the air. Like, he's the quarterback, that the 350-pound guy with a beard and, you know, like <laughs> the armpit sweat, and he looks like he's got, like, you know, He's got he's got the freaking snail trail going down his freaking pants and he looks like drizzling shit. He's the one that makes the whole mountain go. Without them, he's the only they're the only ones on the football field that if they disappear, the game disappears. I can take eleven guys on both sides of football and pluck one out at a time and the games can still go. We can do that for a while. You can't pluck those guys out and make the game go. And that does come from a biased point of view. That does come from an offensive and defensive lineman from the age of eight till twenty-one. So I know. I mean, I'm biased, but on the other hand, well, not necessarily, not necessarily biased because anybody who's ever ever played at any level, it doesn't matter. If you have ever played, you should understand this. But but, but then explain to me how the management of professional sports is paying out the money for these guys. Now, let me let me put out the caveat, and I think that you can agree with me, Brian, that there is no offensive lineman, any solid offensive lineman in the National Football League that is begging for quarters at, you know, the Salvation Army come Christmas time. They're not hard up. They're making solid money. They are they are multi multi-millionaires. But context and perspective is the is the the apples and oranges on it? They're not even close. You're talking you're talking two or three million dollars a year. Which yes, I do realize that I give left and right nut, and anybody else's nut. I give both of your nuts up for that two three million dollars a year. But you're talking about a cornerback who for three years will get a hundred million dollars. You think? Pat Mahomes, who do you think the first people that he thanked for that half a billion dollar contract extension was that bought him all that time to sit back there and make those crazy creative plays? You think Andy Reid? Andy Reid invested first, first in a wide receiver quarterback? No. The quarterback came after okay. those big ass, big ass linemen in front of him. Let me throw this out. Do you remember Jake Long? Absolutely. He was the first pick, and I I am not 100% on which draft, but he was the first pick. And he then made uh, – he was – I think he was the – if I'm not mistaken, he was the – he was the catalyst for the, the rookie contract because he – Miami paid him an exorbitant amount of money for his and he hasn't even played a snap. Right. So there are there are teams, there are GMs that do you know value that. Then again, do you remember Derek Carr? <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> Derek Carr coming out of college was touted as the next what Peyton Manning. I mean, he was he was coming out like first round pick, glory boy from uh, Fresno. Right. And within a three year span, he was the most sacked quarterback in the league. So he never got a chance because they never built an O-line. So, yeah, you can pay these guys all the money, but they have to produce just like in Carolina. Right. Block. Your job is to – oh, they were – the defense was blowing up these guys. Right. They were holding, grabbing, whatever they could do. And then your quarterback gets sacked, and these guys are just standing around like, uh, uh, uh. Yeah, fucking right. block. <laughs> yeah, right. You That's your you, job. Literally, you literally have one job. Literally you have, have one, one job. job. Now, now I will say again, I'll cut these guys more slack than anybody else on the football field. That job is entirely complex. Like once once I got to high school football and I was like the first generation of learning blocking trees and blocking calls. Like you have you have one play. And you already know going to the line without even seeing the defense that you have a regression of three different guys you can block. You got to listen to your center and then your guard to know who after that changes the progression. So you can have nine different blocks you can make. That's intense in three seconds, especially for somebody who is like, you know, you're already, and don't forget to hit somebody hard. (laughs) <laughs> right. Okay. In the scheme of trying to remember this shit, you're True. doing that. So I'm not. The point of me saying that is I'm not trivializing what they're doing. It's especially difficult. But right, but we'll you, are a, do, you I, play I, in the NFL, so that means that somewhere somebody thought that you had what it took to play at that professional level. Here's do, and, and, you know what? Do that. Dude, that 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 one thing, that one thing that you've been groomed since the age of fucking eight to do, do that. Do that. Continue to do that, because I can tell you what, that one thing has not changed. Now, yeah. now in this time, yeah, that that, thing, that one thing has not changed. I will say this though, since you are on this this lineman soapboxes, there are so many nuances. I mean. If you're just watching a football game for the first time and you're telling, you know, somebody's telling you, look, that's the offensive line. They block, you know, the defensive line. Right. They protect the quarterback. What they don't see or know, and you may not even see it, but they, there are these little nuances and techniques. Oh, and my God. For different, and you have to study, you have to do your homework on who you're going to be blocking. Like if you're going up against Vaughn Miller, you, you have to do your homework because he has his moves. Um, Dwight Freeney was a master at this 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 spin around move, and I mean you had to you had to do your homework on this guy if right. you knew that you were going to be blocking. I mean, and not only that, you have to have the position, the the like the step, the way your feet are positioned, the way your shoulders are positioned, you know, your head movement. You know, all kinds of stuff. There are so many nuances that in the whole lineman position, defensive and offensive. 
one of the funniest things, and and let me again, I'm all about prefaces, as I will say that, you know, we're talking about, we're not even talking about apples and oranges at this point. We're talking apples and fucking dumpster trucks. But in my experiences of late, in the last probably 10, 15 years of coaching high school football in Western New York, um, it's been a bananas experience compared to even when I played high school football or middle school. And, and again, for those that are just getting used to who we are, we are not the kind of guys that are sitting on a bar stool talking about our past glories. It's not our deal. And I'm saying that because it's not one of those like, well, back in my day, like I don't even like my day. (laughs) (laughs) My, my day is what I'm actually learning in, in today. And to your point being, when I when I told my father, who actually got me into coaching when I was fourteen, I told him I was like, Dad, I got a I got a I got a co- a job coaching at the varsity level. He's like, No shit. I mean, this was probably my first coaching varsity job was about ten years ago. He's like, That's fucking awesome. What are you doing? And I said, I'm a defensive line coach. Pause. Crickets. Pause. And he was like, uh, Okay. He's like, is that? He goes, is that a thing? And I was like, yeah, it's a fucking thing. He's like, okay, well, I mean, that's still cool, but he goes, like, so you're coaching like what, eight guys? I said, Dad, I don't think you understand like how the game has evolved, and and it, it's funny for me to say that because I'm always the one to go back. I'm I'm old school enough to go like, no matter what X's and O's and what fucking you know, the 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 spread offenses and all this shit. Nah, it's smoke and mirrors. It's still eleven on eleven. You throw a ball and you catch a ball and you run a ball. All the rest is fucking. It's it's tinsel on the tree. But in the offensive and defensive line, I didn't know all the nuances to that. Like I was having to learn in order to teach my kids, my eighteen year olds. We're getting ready to go play Division One football, which I didn't do. But in order to get them ready, I was like, okay, before they even snap the ball, I can tell you if they're going to pass block or run block based on their shoulder alignment. Or at the snap of the ball, how they shimmy-sham their thing like it's fucking Will Smith getting jiggy with it. Like, like as soon as they snap the ball, whether they move their shoulders, I can tell you where to attack on their body and systematically dissect it. I didn't do that when I was fucking 16, 17. I didn't know that shit. Like, meanwhile, I did know what a passing tree was. I didn't do it, but I knew what that was. So that shit has been around for a while. This whole thing, playing defensive line until I was in college, this whole thing about being able to dissect in a split second, that ball snaps, there's 6,000 things you got to analyze, and it could be the difference between your second a quarterback and, and, and not. I was And I became enraptured in that. And that's why it's it's kind of like to our point here, how it relates in context. It's like there was so much shit that nobody sees because we see everything on the outside. It's quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs. Meanwhile, there is literally a collision of galaxies <laughs> that, we, that literally the cameras don't even pay attention to. Ball snapped. A bunch of if you watch TV, it looks like a bunch of guys just going blah, 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 and everything goes. It's like 10-yard fight on Nintendo. (laughs) And they run to the outside, and that's what they focus on. Meanwhile, 
There is so much stuff going six on in there. Billion things going on in there. It's like its own world. Yep. But, yep. And also, but, you mentioned coaching. Think about this. How many head coaches started out as defensive line coaches? Right. Well, not me, but a lot. Right. <laughs> a lot of them. I, mean, I hate to say that. Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan was one. And I think he's a fucking sham. He didn't put in his time. But his dad, in order to learn the system from the bottom up, that's it. Buddy made him a defensive line coach. He goes, you're going to learn this thing from the bottom up. I mean, what the hell? Who's the, who's the greatest defender in the National Football League right now? Uh, I want to say Aaron Donald. Thank you. I would say the same thing hands down. Not only is he a defensive lineman, he's an interior defensive lineman. Maybe three years ago I would have said Von Miller, but yeah. Aaron, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is doing Lawrence Taylor type shit, and he's he's a he's he's a defensive he, lineman. He's he's but not only a defensive lineman, Brian. He's like a three technique. He's at times he lines up at a nose or a shade of a nose. Oh, they move him all over the line to do what. But, but and, and you're right. They do. But but it's not like it's not like where they line him up for a defensive end or a wide nine. It's not. He's not J.J. Watt. He's not. He's not widening up as long as he can. Aaron Donald moves. You're and you're right. He moves all over the place. But he's moving all over a ten foot radius. But one thing that people don't understand is these big guys with the fat hanging out and sweat pits. I think you said. Yo, these guys are super athletic. Oh, there's no question about that. Those bellies, those bellies are not yeah, chubby. Yeah, do not get, do not get that. No, 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 no. Those are the baddest men on the planet. These guys are super athletic. And well, everybody else on the football uh, field knows that. Carolina's offensive line, maybe not so much, but um, I'm, I'm gonna be biased on that one because, just like we said before, do that. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. somebody somewhere thought that you were capable enough. And you were good enough to play in the professional football league. Do that. Right. But uh, one thing I do want to mention, um, one thing I do want to mention is uh, Mike Davis, man. Okay, Mike so Davis. Na- who? I gotta ask. I gotta. Okay. Ask, who okay. the fuck is Mike Davis? Exactly. Who the fuck is Mike Davis? He was bounced around the league. He played in. He was like a backup in Chicago. He was a. a he was. I think he was a free agent picked up by San Francisco. They let him go. He's just been bounced around and never really had a shot. Well, Carolina picked him up. Christian McCaffrey goes down. Oh. Put him in the game. And I'm gonna, let me tell you something. This dude runs like Larry Zonka. I mean, just he's a bowling ball. And he fights for every yard. He and he sees one thing that impresses me though is 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 he can see hole. He can see the holes. Right. You know, like like top tier running backs. Right. You know, he has that running back vision and fights for every yard. I I love it, man. I love it. This dude, what, when Christian McCaffrey comes back, and then you have keep him in the game. Here's here's what. Get him be- some playing time. And I, and I'm not gonna pretend to know that much about Carolina. 
I, I know enough about Carolina to speak intelligently about it, but here's the thing. First of all, let's go on record right now for anybody who does not know. I watched the Panthers draft Christian McCaffrey and Aiden and I, no, not, I think it was pre-Aiden, but I watched Christian run. He was at Stanford and I, I watched him run. And the day they drafted him, I was like, dude, this is a solid pickup. I wish I would have kept that text. I was like, this is a solid kid. A, a medium-sized, I hate to say this because it doesn't matter, but a, a solid-sized white running back from an Ivy League school on the West Coast. But when you watched him run, man, he ran. He was Luke Keekley on offense. That's why I liked him on the Panthers, because he ran the ball like he wanted to hurt somebody. He and ran. He's, and he's got the moves. But and, what and happened. Not only that, though, his versatility. But the 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 I, to me, and this is me not being a real Panther fan, like a peripheral Panther fan. Last year, the year before, particularly last year, I started saying, "Holy shit, is there anybody else on this offense? Anybody? <laughs> anybody? Yeah, he, yeah that's Do true. He was else. pretty much the entire offense. But look at it this way, though. Look at it. This is the way I'm seeing it. I'm looking at the positive here." Without Christian McCaffrey, now these other guys have to step up. Like they DJ do. Moore, um, Samuel, uh, Robbie Anderson. You know, Robbie these guys Anderson, are stepping up. If and they, they do. They brought in Mike Davis. I mean, this guy's taking, making the most of his opportunity. And now it's a whole team thing. You know, and you, can't, and you have Matt they don't Rule. center on one guy. Matt so Rule, now who? when that guy comes back, you have – that should be it. And oh, he needs an offensive line to block for the quarterback. Matt Matt Rule's entire coaching philosophy is open this thing up from sideline to sideline, yep. offense and defense. It's a track meet. It is a let's outscore the other team seventy-two to sixty-eight and win the game. I don't. He 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 literally has said in press conferences, we don't win more because we win by twenty by than by two. It does not matter. We right. can let them score 60 as long as we score 61. And I'm kind of down with that. The problem becomes when, and I watched it last year going with McCaffrey, and everyone's like, McCaffrey is amazing. I'm like, well, yeah, especially if he's on your fantasy team. But other than that, being a supporter of the Panthers going like, man, what what if? What if he goes down? Exactly. And especially in you're, in a, you're on a team. You're, you're on a team. You're in an organization. That just worked. You literally took maybe, maybe, maybe your greatest linebacker in the history of your team, and he played himself into the ground. He played himself into retirement. We can't all say that we didn't see it coming because we all did. Me, you, and everybody else that watched them play. But we just got finished watching them put a franchise linebacker into retirement. And then they put Christian out there being like, yeah, we're going to run him about 5,000 times this year, and hopefully he can carry our entire team. <laughs> like, can you build for after this year? Or you tell you tell me because it's your team. Well, Am I that off base on that that metaphor between those two players? Well, like, you're, I, I you're want... not wrong. You're not wrong. And, well, let me just say this. Where are where are the coaches? Where's all the coaching staff that that pretty much came up with that beauty of an idea? 
They cleaned house, so now they have new coaching. And But like I said, McCaffrey went down, forced the whole team. Everybody plays a role. Right. So I I, I got to I got to be honest. I like the new the new revamp thing because yeah they did last year they leaned way too much on McCaffrey but that was when uh, Cam was out. Oh, that's what I mean, I Kyle, that, 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 that that goes off on its own different right. thing. That's a, that, like, yeah, that's a totally different tangent. But not really. He was not he really. but but he was the he. Christian McCaffrey was like the number one guy. They still, at that point, they still haven't, they didn't know who their number one receiver was. DJ Moore wasn't coming into his own as, as much right. as they had expected. You know, Curtis Samuel wasn't playing lights out like he is right now. We didn't have Robbie Anderson. And we were leaning on heavily on a, what, third string quarterback at the time. Well, so, so yeah, it was just, it was just, it was, it was fuel to the fire, and eventually everything blew up. And then we got to build it back. Well, it's going to be interesting because you're going to have Christian that's coming back from. He's he was out on Thursday, but they're thinking he might be back next Sunday. Do you just I mean, put him in there? You yes, you don't you do, you but don't, you don't but you play don't him tip. as much as you did last. Thank time, you uh, and, before, and, and because I, now I, you have that safety net. You have those other guys around. But it, and I, I agree with you. I think that that doesn't that doesn't match up with Carolina processes. I think that you're exactly right. You but you should dip Christian's feet back in the water to make sure a right? you protect your franchise. That's not what they do. <laughs> but if there's anybody that does it, Matt Matt can do it. But he's, right, and he's not based on running the ball. But think about when, it this way, though. Right? In there, he, that's what he did. Right, but think about it this way. Think about if I'm not, if I'm an even remotely intelligent head coach, which you're paying me millions of dollars to be, more than that, take use him as bait. Think about how many defenses are going to be wherever McCaffrey's at. Well, that opens up somebody else. I think, I and know. I think Teddy Bridgewater knows that. You know what's funny? They're not going to feed him the ball every down. I, I, Brian, let me tell you. Last night, I got I got texts from three different Bills fan friends, and I got to get my Bills fix in. To, Bills suck. Of to, course. Suck. Here we go. It has, it, no, it has no it has no context gonna, to this at all. I got to just say that. But 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 all of my I, <laughs> I I'm say get that you a big wooden mallet that just says. <laughs> We got to call Bill Suck timeout. <laughs> uh, public service announcement for everybody listening to this podcast. The Bills <laughs> fucking suck. It's like an Amber Alert if football was stolen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> Great. Anyway. But no. So the reason why I mentioned that is because. People that I talk to about football around here, they they're like Carolina. Oh, they still have a football team, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, they do. yeah, yeah. But the, I know. The reason, I've heard it. I've heard it before. But but the reason why I say that in support of Carolina is I had a bunch of football fans friends last night text me and be like, hey, Teddy Bridgewater is not bad. I was like, man, Teddy B was pretty good before he got hurt and before he went and learned from Drew Brees. 
<laughs> before the, he went to the Jets for a minute. And <laughs> here's the thing. We talked about it last week. But this week, I gave it some thought. There, the Jets were in that moment of choosing where they were going to go for the future, and they gave they gave Teddy uh, some some sense of promise that he might be the guy, and he went out there and blew it up, and then of course, in typical Jets fashion, they fucked it up. But it really did feed him his confidence and be like, hey, I can do this with a team that knows what the fuck they're doing. Right, I can do that. I do think that his momentary stop in the Jets made it, – it got his feet because, of course, with the Jets, and I, I really do feel in the in professional sports that that's worth something. Like when you go out there with a team that's got nothing to lose, you can build a lot of confidence out there because what the fuck do you have to lose? Teddy Bridgewater went out there for those few games as the quarterback of the New York Jets and said, well, if I suck, I'm just in a long line of suck. So nobody's going to even know that I'm here. And he went out there and went pretty good to the point where some people went, hey, that guy knows what the fuck he's doing. And then he went to New Orleans and did pretty well over there and learned under not only Sean Payton, but on, under Drew Brees. And look well, at him. Well, shit, he won all the games he played. Here's my here's my concern about him. How old is he all of a sudden? 26, 27? Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, it's so funny how fast – quarterbacks especially in the nfl get old like all of a sudden he's <laughs> he was the rookie uh a knee and a half ago and two three teams ago i mean okay you and that tom a, tom tom brady's like don't almost you the same dare. age as i am don't and i mean Look at Brett Favre was still with his old gray ass was still I mean he was still playing at a professional <laughs> level and winning I'll tell you what, I don't, and going I don't wanna, to NFC championships. I will I will tell you this as an AFC East I was born and raised in the AFC East and I don't want to get off the oh, Carolina bandwagon. Sorry, it, it, no, it's about time that we talk about the Panthers. But let me tell you this, I am maybe the biggest Tom Brady fan this year. Because he's not in the division, you should. I, we watch, we watch those Tampa games, and every time he drops a dime, I'm like, "Look at that TB12." And Jody turns around, and she looks at me like, "Who?" I'm like, "TB12 still dropping dimes like this," and she's like, "Oh, you're fucking talking about Tom Brady?" Which, like, even a like a year ago, I was like, "Fucking, I hope his children die." Like all this stuff, horrible, terrible things I would say, and now I'm like. Man, guy's a professional. He's been doing this shit for. Look at, he looks great out there in that, you know, whatever that weird bronze color they wear. But it really does allow you to step back away from the hatred of some unfounded, the irrational hate for your, you know, divisional opponent, and go with the fact like he is for what is he forty three, forty four? Yeah, he's pushing forty four. And but, no, was, but do you remember? Do you remember watching that Super Bowl when they were uh, the first when they were playing uh, the the Giants? Yes. Oh my I, god! I have I have hung several figures of Tom Brady in effigy and did god awful things and prayed on anything any <laughs> any god and anti god that I've even heard of to do unspeakable things to Tom Brady and everybody that's ever met him. But meanwhile, now I'm like, oh, you know what? He's pretty good. And, and it lends to the 
thing that's i mean it's it it cracks me up but in reality i'm seriously like look at him he's making new slot receivers down there in tampa bay like he's got this long-haired little five eight white kid in the slot thing i was like oh look he's made another wes welker another (laughs) danny amandola and this and he's this kid's like eyed wide open, and of course he's throwing he's throwing a couple touchdowns a day to Gronk. Which well, I'm shit, like, he brought Gronk out of retirement. And Gronk Gronk is catching like he's and God bless him, man. And the funny thing, I even I'm giving Gronk a break. I'm like I'm watching the retirement of New England Patriots, and I'm loving it. Gronk gets up from catching a touchdown now, and is getting up and he's soaking with sweat and heaving because he's like. I'm too out of shape, and I am endearing myself to these guys. I am all in on the Tampa Bay Bucks this year for Super Bowl champs, and it's all and it's nothing. It's nothing but Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Mike Evans. Unfortunately, <laughs> I do not share. I do not share that idea. I do not share your sentiment. Although I will say this. For the past, what, uh, how, how many years, 10, 15 or so years? The NFC South has been one of the toughest divisions in the NFL, hands down. It's still not easy. One of the toughest. Wow. <laughs> then you have the, what is it, the AFC East? Because I, I don't know, I forget sometimes because you don't want to come really into the journey. You don't want to come into New Jersey and face and Sam Darnold and Adam oh, Gase. God no. Oh God. Oh God. Oh I God. I mean that has to be for that amount of time for the first 10, 15 I, years. That has been the softest division. Brian, I don't, I don't, I don't care who listens to this podcast. I, I actually I do, but whoever listens to this podcast, I'm the, I'm going to be the first person that I have heard say these things. It is clear. Don't worry, it's mostly family anyway, so. <laughs> it is clear and present that Adam fucking Gase must have nude pictures of someone somewhere. That's the only fucking way that that man is even employed as a coach of professional sports anywhere in this business. <laughs> Nothing about this. And I, I, I like to I like to try to separate myself from the gang and not be like, oh, everybody else is saying fire gays. So I'm jumping on that. No, I I I I, I give people their their fair shot to disappoint me or impress me. This guy, what the hell? Like, are you are there's not there there is no award for being the worst team in the history of football. You don't you you don't get a prize for being most bad, and it's almost like he's trying to be that. Like you literally now, first of all, you've got I think the last figure I saw was almost a hundred million dollars of dead money. So literally, you were paying almost a hundred million dollars in people that have left your team. You are paying them to pay play for somebody else. Where? <laughs> Into link into last week's conversation about only how, in the AFC. Or how? No, where? In, uh, uh, where does everybody? Okay, you are the worst employee at Microsoft we've ever seen, right? You just are fucking terrible. We're gonna pay you a hundred million dollars to go over to Google and work, but we really aren't sending you over there to go sync the team 
because you're going to go over there and be awesome. That's the thing about the Jets. Once they pay everybody to go leave their team, they go somewhere else and are fucking amazing. (laughs) Robbie Robbie Anderson, I'm guaranteeing you right now that some of his contract is being paid by the Jets, and he's already doing better for Carolina than he was ever doing for the Jets. There's more and more people right now coming out for the conversation. There were some people coming out for the conversation. Have you heard that Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence now has COVID? The <laughs> Trevor Lawrence has the has COVID and is is opting out of the the game on Sunday or Saturday with Clemson. And people are now blaming that and the fact that he could be the number one pick for the Jets. And I don't have much to argue that. <laughs> like anywhere but anywhere but he, the Jets. Trevor Trevor Lawrence he chose COVID over the New York Jets. I really do feel like he did that. And oh that would not be God. a stretch. But I will say this as a diehard Panthers fan, thank you for Robbie Anderson. Thank you cuz I saw him play in New York and yeah, I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? This guy blows. And then he comes to Carolina. I'm like, oh great. And he starts lighting it up. He I, could, be, I he could be number one, our number one wide receiver. You know what though? I, I will tell you that I was I was a fan of his. You know who really told reminded me of how good he was? Jody was always a big fan of Robbie Anderson. A big fan. Every time he, when I was out of the room or whatnot, we were watching a Jets, a Jets game. There was like Robbie caught the ball again. I was just like, holy shit, again! And every time he caught the ball, and that's the thing that I think he's also doing in Carolina. Robbie doesn't. He's not a one of those middling. He's not a fifteen yard in hook receivers. Oh he, no, he's a go. He's a go he, guy. He's a go route or nothing. He's a go yeah, guy. He's got he's the speed. Guy. Right. And, and but, if, I mean, he's not that big, so you've got to run your ass off. Right. But, but he that, can make a hit, too. And that's the thing. For somebody who knows offense like Matt and not like fucking ugh, Space Case in New Jersey, like Matt Rule will know how to stretch an offense because he's built that way. He's going to stretch out an offense with Robbie down the field in New York. They would literally send him on a go route, and there'd be no other offense built around that go route. They'd be like, "Okay, so we took a corner with him, and maybe a safety over the top, maybe." But well, great, we ran an inside trap, so that <laughs> that that accomplished nothing. One thing, one thing that uh, they did in the game um, was the Thursday night um, was or last night was <clears throat> Teddy Bridgewater goes down. He goes, they, they start doing the tent thing. And in comes it. And who comes in the game? Not Will Greer. Not your second string quarterback. Your third string quarterback. A guy they picked up from the uh, the AFA. Really? So, yes. He comes in. And what's the first play they run when bringing in the third string quarterback? They ran a damn hitch and go. With Robbie? To- well, no, it was to uh, DJ Moore, I think. Or no, maybe Curtis Samuel, but one of the speeches. And you know what? That, you know what? He almost, I mean, the defense is probably thinking, they were thinking, I guarantee you, guarantee you they were thinking run. Oh, yeah. Oh, and because I mean, we you, got a we're new bringing kid in, in a third. Yeah, we're bringing in a never third. Taken, never taking a pro snap. Never taking a pro snap. Bring everybody in. 11 in. 11 yep. in the box. Fill in that box. And he, 
throws it, and damn near completes it. I mean, and you granted, know had he completed it, that would have been super awesome. But, I mean, that's the that's that, that's that that mindset that that rule has. I mean, it, it was it was beautiful. And I'll tell you what, who's who's that? Oh, I would right now, based on that information right now, I know he took him to a Super Bowl, but that, that guy, well, no, actually, he already got fired, the Atlanta coach, right? The, the ball yeah, guy. Yeah, 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 Quinn. He already got fired. And Quinn. So who's, whoever their interim coach is, I don't care if you're coming in with a third-string quarterback that has never taken a pro snap. You have to look at who's teaching him. Matt Rule is go, 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 go. He's spread offense and run. You should have assumed from the get-go, if you're going to be the smartest guy in the room, I would drop back in a zone, almost in a prevent, and beg them to run the ball, especially knowing that you're if Christian's not in there. Well, the the receiver, the receiver had the receiver just had a had just a step on the corner on the corner cornerback, and it was just slightly overthrown. I mean, I guess he got in there and you know third string okay. quarterback, he was ready to bomb it. <laughs> but I mean, just just the fact that they did that was. Oh man, that speaks volumes. And um, they also did the uh, they, they were lining up for a punt, and they direct snapped it to Chen, which is who's like a, a linebacker slash safety. Yeah. And I think it was third and seven or third and nine. It was a long third down. Fucking gets it. I mean, they got they only got three points out of it, but they did get points out of it. But I mean that's that's that uh I I don't want to say rebuilding year but like this is something something's happening here. If we could just build up if we could just get an offensive line, I feel like things will fall into place. This is a wonderful segue into what now 45 minutes into this we might lead into the the meat of our conversation. I wonder where coaching is going in professional sports because it seems to be it seems to be all over the place. I was going to actually make this a conversation just about the the trend of hiring college coaches into professional football, but did you hear the news of today in, in baseball? No, what's up? Who the, who the new manager being that you oh, are Tommy now? Lasor- Tommy Lasorda? The whole Tommy Lasorda thing? (laughs) Okay, we must apologize for anybody that's listening to this that he said Tommy Lasorda. Tommy LaRusso. Or no, LaRusso? LaRusso. Oh, LaRusso. LaRusso. Tommy Lasorda. Tommy Lasorda was the fat guy from L.A. that died. (laughs) Okay, we're just going to cut this by saying we're new to the baseball game. So for well, our baseball fans. Well, I mean, I know who Tommy Lasorda is. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was <laughs> he was old back in the eighties. So yeah, I, I don't. Tommy Larusa. Tommy Larusa. It sounds he's a lot step, like Lasorda. Seventy-two, so... 72 years old. Yeah, and, and he's, he's now taking over the White Sox, a major yeah. market sports team. Yeah. Uh... <sighs> He's going. He's going to be. He's going to be coaching kids. Man- managing, not coaching. Managing. managing. Oh no! But here, Brian, now that you now that you were a new born again baseball fan, I have to teach you about something because even though I hate the sport, I don't hate the sport. I just don't. It doesn't make it wiggle. 
Like I was born and raised in the baseball slash softball house. There's no difference. They call it managers, but it's really coaching. There's just as much. There's no I'm way. I'm not no, saying no. managers no, listen, don't listen, coach. And I'm saying this. I'm saying this is a huh, half the time of my life. I am paid to be a bad guy. And this might be one of those times that I relish in being a bad guy. Being a baseball manager in which you have to adjust a couple guys here and there and adjust your order over the course of a fucking baseball game means nothing, nothing in comparison to calling plays 100 to 200 times in a football game. And in the meantime, adjusting your personnel and your alignment of teams on offense and defense, you will never ever be able to convince me of otherwise because it just doesn't make sense. You can't tell me that like, oh yeah, well next time we go out in the outfield and let me actually, let me back that up a step because I don't want to, I don't want to give it voice because I'm not trying to trivialize it. I actually do feel like it's apples and oranges. You can say like, okay guys, it's time for us to go out for defense, right? Everybody go out there. Now for the next hitter, I want these guys to move up a little bit. These guys to move back. But otherwise, our defense doesn't change. We're not we're not swapping out linebackers. We're not swapping out defensive linemen. We're not playing different defenses on first, second, third, fourth down. Ah, see, and let me stop you right there, bad guy. Because if you would have watched any of the World Series, Tampa Bay was doing that all the time. Well, who won? They. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, no. Oh, oh, did I stumble upon something? What? Who won? <laughs> hey, they still made it to the World Series. Oh, oh God bless you. There is a lot that goes on There's in a, a dugout. Lot. A lot. You have to think about. You have to think about right-handed pitchers versus, you know, right-handed batters, and you know, there's there's all there's there's also the the whole confidence thing, which I don't. Brian, I let me still ask don't you, understand, let me, but let me ask they you pulled they they pulled Blake Snell and he was pitching phenomenal. What what like, like pod- he could have gone another at least another two or three innings. He, here, here's something some guys out. He was on his, he was on his top of his game. Here's something that people and I hate to. I, but I'm, then they I, pulled I, him. I hate to jump on this shit because I, I I I'm just jumping on it before I forget it. One of the things that you're going to find in this podcast that you're not going to find anywhere else is that you can you can extrapolate these ideas. It, it, it's a small idea that you can apply to bigger things. And one of the things that I'm thinking in this instance is Be that... Be careful with those big words. You're going to have to extrapolate. It's, it's the one I've always <laughs> used because it's something bigger than the game. It's something bigger than the game in the fact of calling something different doesn't mean it's less than or more than I look at baseball and softball, anything of the like and say, it's just, it's so different from calling a football game, but being well, in the yeah. household, but, 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 but no, you, you say no shit. And I say, yeah, no shit. But a lot of people, they get lost in the conversation of more than or less than I say, no, it's different than, and it's important of how different they be to the point where you can't compare then you, you can't say, and, and, and you can apply this thing to my favorite argument that I love, especially having a wife who has her father being 
uh, uh, he's a, a competitive. He was a very competitive, very famous uh, stock car racer. The conversation that comes up all the time about is race car driving a sport? Uh, yes. I say I'm not even getting involved in that conversation <laughs> because I think it's people I think, think the car does all the work. Are you kidding me? No, wait, wait, Brian. What I'm getting at, and don't lose context here. I think that just like everything else in life, we have to think that not everything is black or white. We're talking about two different things. I right. think I think that we can look at stock car racing. NASCAR racing and say, well, for my very naive, ignorant, very focused definition of sport, I don't call it a sport. But does that make it any less? No, I call it something different. If I look at an apple, if I look at an apple and an orange, are they the same fruit? No, they're both fruit. Are they less than or equal to? No, they're incomparable. They're completely fucking different, but they're still fruit. You can't say one's more of a fruit than the other. They're both fruit. You see what I'm saying? It's this thing. It's this 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 weird existential notion that I've been having that I and it only came from the fact that I really gave a lot of brain power of trying to what do I consider to be a sport. Okay, so even to like the the, the Neanderthal thing, like we got to sweat, there's got to be contact, that shit. Well, okay, NASCAR doesn't have any of that stuff, but literally they they do so much shit. I'm kind of like, well, I literally said that is something, that is something important that I have to give credence to, and I give this thing. And I literally could not make a connection between the two because that's how we compare. That's how we compare anything. That's how we compare Republican and Democrat, red and blue, white and black. We have to make a connection. And when there's two things that we can't, it, we can't wrap our fucking heads around it until I do something of going like, and I'm not saying that I'm not into something, but this is how I reconcile things. Just going like, it's literally apples and pomegranates, and I love both of them to the point of being like, it's two different things. It's literally two different things. To the, and that's what I do with baseball. I can't say, like, is baseball more of a contact sport than football? Well, contact sport, well, yeah, but is it is more of a sport? Well, is, it is golf more of a sport? I mean, if yeah, you've I ever been out there, golf. if you've been out there with Dave Postle and me out there, I've seen Dave Postle throw a fucking golf club farther than any discus thrower in the national fucking Olymp or in the international Olympics. <laughs> like, and and I've seen I've sweat more during a golf round. But here's the thing: it's okay. It it it's it's not going to be compartmentalized in our horseshit. Is it less than or more than? Who can you count past two? Because there's a third part that says it might be different than, and that might be just as good than. Ooh. I can actually, I can actually speak a little bit on the uh, the whole NASCAR racing thing. I actually used to work. I, I did for um, I want to say about a year right before I joined the military. I worked for a a, a Bush Grand National uh, NASCAR race team. Believe right. it or not, my uncle was uh, he was building engines for him and uh, it was the Hensleys. And I was he, he just got me a job 
just washing cars. And every now and then I get to tinker on the cars and stuff, which was cool as hell. Like I would get to, I would get to put in the, uh, the rear end housings. Uh, I get to mess a little bit with the transmissions. Um, and I got to see all the things that go into getting one car, one car right, right. ready for one race. Now they would have a backup car, but one car they would have to go test and all this stuff. And not only that, like NASCAR would come down with these, like, like at the beginning of the season would come down with these, the, we had to have these templates that would go over on the, uh, the body guys would have to like, they would slide a piece of paper from the car to the template. And that piece of paper couldn't go. It couldn't go to the, through to the other side. Like it had right. to, everything had to be perfect. And not only that, you always have to make you have to make adjustments for different tracks, um, rear end alignment, front end alignment. I mean, there is so much involved in in racing. You would, it, dude, it blew my mind. And I thought it was cool as hell because I actually got to work on the car. Like I got to right. sit in the damn thing. Right. And let me tell you something. You sit inside of a race car, you cannot <laughs> fucking move. I was starting to get claustrophobic, but at the same time, this is cool as shit. Right, right. So I got to I got to sit in it when they were like pushing it up on the trailer and everything. That the trailer that I just washed. Because right. that was that was part of my job. Right. But there were so many nuances and things that I mean Dude, it, it it really blew my mind, like all the stuff that goes into it. And the drivers, the drivers, I mean, think about this. Oh, yeah, they're going left all the time. Well, yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> there are 30-some other guys, and everybody's jockeying for position. There's the whole drafting thing. you gotta you got to be in the right spot. And one thing that they do have that um, – I didn't know was you, they have spotters they, you know, they're, they, they're constantly talking on the radio to the crew chief, the spotter. Right. Hey, there's a wreck up, go high, you know, that sort of thing. Days of thunder type shit. And it just, it really blew my mind. And the stuff that the, the driver has to go through, like they actually have to work out and be in shape. They don't, they may not have looked it. They may not look it, but yes, they have to have some type of physical ability. But uh, yes, true. They don't play a game. But a race is a competition. I will tell you this though. I will I will contradict one thing you said. You talked about they don't look it. When was the last time you saw a gigantic fat out of shape NASCAR driver? Well, there you go. You don't see that. No. You don't. Well, well, you got to think they have to fit in and out of the car, and that's not a very <laughs> wild. <laughs> oh, son of a bitch. So, so you're not gonna put you're not gonna put an offensive or a defensive lineman about, in a goddamn race car without a little bit of I mean he's not gonna be able to jump in and out. Anybody anybody who's listening to this podcast right now, think about the last time that you were racing to work, and what's the highest what's the highest MPH you you hit? Seventy five, eighty. These 80, guys get up to eighty. If you're these guys get up to two hundred. Could you could you imagine doubling the speed that you're going? And I today. Today I think when I'm, I was and I was hauling and I was concerned because my big ass car was out of you know hauling. It was like 75, <laughs> 75, and and and, and they're like uh, NASCAR drivers yeah. be like that's adorable. 
Yeah, you're not going to get that fast in a Prius. No. But but one thing I have to do say though is is if if you you look at these tracks, like different tracks have different like bank embankments. Right. And the the turns are different. Yeah. Some of them are higher, some of them are lower, but the grand scheme of things when you go into these turns, these things are so <laughs> my dad took us to um took us to Charlotte Motor Speedway for this Christmas thing. They had this light whole lights yeah, it turned out to be a fucking disaster because we went in the wrong lane, and it took hours. But <laughs> they let us drive around the track, and you're you're almost you're you're looking down at like you think you're gonna just tip over, right? But the it's something about inertia and like physics yeah. and right. shit that's just <laughs> way too complex <laughs> for my little simple brain. But you're going so fast. And the the embankment is so steep that it's it. You might as well be driving on you know 95. Right, right. But I mean, think about this though. It's not that wide, but you have all these other guys. You know, oh man, especially when they come off of a uh, when they come off of a caution when they come into the green flag. Yeah. And you hear that. And it just opens up and they come flying by that camera. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And, right. <laughs> I mean, because like I grew, I grew up in Martinsville, like around the track. So like some of my fondest memories are my dad and, and you know, my grandfather. What few memories I have are us right. going to the track. And I mean, I'm not a huge NASCAR guy. I'm, I'm really not. But you got to give respect to what they're doing. Right. And, and if you've I, ever been to a race... Which, which nine times out of ten, I go to races and I'm, it never fucking fails. I swear the guy follows me around. I'm always sitting beside the fat, sweaty, the sweaty fat guy with the big bucket of chicken that just insists on like taking his shirt off. But I tell you what, that's not just for NASCAR. If you're ever in a Buffalo Bills football game <laughs> or a Buffalo Sabres hockey game. That's Here we go. Player. Here we go. <laughs> yes, I got two in. <laughs> but let me tell you, I'm going to take your point. I'm going to push it a little bit further. Okay. We're talking about the definition of sports. Okay. The most decorated Olympians mm-hmm. in the history of our country and the history of the Olympics which came well before the evolution of football and hockey and all this shit, they were in sports, which right now we borderline don't even call sports. The most decorated Olympian in in the history of our country is... Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps in swimming. Do you know how many people are like, it's not like football, it's not like baseball, basketball... Yeah, but how many of those people say that when they're watching the Olympics and Phelps is going for the gold? Or they're doing I'll, the relay? I'll, I'll tell you what. They're, everybody was flipping their fucking weird shit. Weird abstract story, and this is this is not my story. It's somebody else's story, and I really hope that eventually down the road that somebody looks back in our archives and listens to this episode that they actually be able to tell me who this was. But I actually went to to high school with a kid that was one of those guys that was just like 0% body fat. And he would wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. And the time that he was in, in, he got into the school, he went to the pool, worked out for two hours before he went to class. 
And then after that, just got back in the pool. And he was, if I remember correctly, he tried out for the, um, you remember the Ted Turner in the nineties? He had the goodwill games. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was a good, he was in the goodwill games. He tried out for the Olympics and I feel like he was like a close second. Anybody from Endicott, New York, from the Binghamton area would know exactly what I'm talking about. But like this kid literally slept, did his sport, went to school, slept, did his sport, went to school to the point where I was just like, fuck that. I can't even come close to fucking doing his thing. But it was like, ah, it's still swimming. (laughs) <laughs> or, or right now, like look, looking at the gymnasts or, and having, in my case, I have two younger sisters who my parents dedicated a lot of time and effort to my football. And when I, eventually when I got to, you know, high school, they did a lot of my, my throwing and track and field, but like we dedicated so much time to their dance and gymnastics that, they they had in one competition day eight different solo dances, a couple of gymnast fucking deals, a couple the thing my dad and I would sit out in the crowd take a couple naps between hand. Meanwhile, my mom was running around fucking crazy getting the two girls around and just all day long for like fourteen hours in a row getting them ready to do a physical exhibition that was even to this day just like how the fuck did you do do that and to hear people going like uh that's not that's not really sports not mm, no it's not really the same thing really because i know what i did during a football game i gave up my balls all for after you know water breaks and whatnot like good 55 minutes these these girls and guys and guys had to do shit for like 12 hours in a row. <laughs> like I would consider that to be a part time job at this point, not, not just a sport that they played. My definition of sport is if you put enough as much enough time, enough effort and you're competing to the highest level that you can possibly compete at, that you can compete at. And you're giving it your all. That is sport. Very interesting, Brian. Politics, sports. Or politics is sport. <laughs> there's a lot. I will say there's a lot of contact. <laughs> <laughs> Far too much nut grabbing. In. No, but it's a real thing. It's a real thing. But no, if you I, like, if you I, put your time and you're competing. And you you put all of your time and effort and you know you give it your all. Yes, that uh, that's sport. Here's the very interesting thing to me, and it, again it comes back to my middleness about everything because people just at, actually that are very close-minded they just throw their hands up again. Fine, call everything a sport. I'm like, no, actually, no. We've we've expanded our understanding of what sport is. And actually we've expanded what our understanding of bad ass can competitive kick ass sport is kick assery kick kick assery. And at the same time, we built up our boundaries of saying if outside of that, don't fuck with us. So to the point of saying like, no, we just can't make everything sport. 
Like, we have boundaries. We've expanded the conversations, but we're very, we're much more possessive about what's underneath, in between those boundaries, if that makes sense. Like, you can grow your understanding and your boundaries and make those boundaries more solid because we've had that conversation because we've understood more like in you know i've seen some <laughs> and you're gonna laugh outside of rit i've seen some of the most physical competitive rounds of ultimate frisbee i've ever seen and I'll tell you what, Brian. Are you kidding? First... I used to. I, I'm playing back before all this. We would go play. A lot of, the, of us would play ultimate frisbee. I loved ultimate I, frisbee. I, I saw. And I yes, saw. It is a sport. I, I saw somebody on a tee, and it was just I, I wasn't planning on it. I was just looking, going like, oh, what the fuck are they doing? And I was like, oh, they're playing ultimate frisbee. I saw somebody on the tee. Wait a minute. And, are you are you confusing ultimate frisbee with frisbee golf? No, no. Well, I've seen well, ultimate frisbee. Uh, frisbee okay ultimate frisbee is a whole nother conversation because i don't even understand how people debate that that is a sport there's more running than any other sport ever goddamn right you're chasing after a disc that's yeah. flying all over i will actually blade. i will actually say that and on a windy day you get fucking worked frisbee golf i guess what i'm saying okay you think frisbee golf well frisbee golf now listen you call golf a fucking sport why not thank throw a frisbee you thank in you it? So when I saw there was a, there, especially around here be because more fun. In, in the Western New York area, there's so many golf courses. Once people stop playing golf, the golf courses, they need a source of revenue. So all they do is they pop the, the pin out. They put a ultimate, especially not only is there a lot of golf courses, but there's a lot of colleges around here. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of kids out there playing. <laughs> so they, they plop one of the, like the chain things around there. And I was like, oh, that's a froth thing. Frisbee golf. And I watched somebody on the tee and they fucking keyed off and they planted that Frisbee right where it was supposed to be. And I was watching the way they threw the Frisbee. And I was like, man, that, 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 that motion is very much like a golf swing. And they were pretty fucking dead on accurate with that thing. And they threw that Frisbee way further than I can. So who the hell am I to say like, Nope, not a sport. Nope, not physical enough. Are you nope. kidding me? I have seen that guys was... throw a frisbee like a football, like it would they would launch it horizontally, <laughs> and it would go vertical or vice versa, like right. in midair. So that takes a little bit of practice, a little bit of doing, and yes, it is a fucking sport. I'm convinced that the American culture should consider anything within like a finite level of ta uh, talents or skills. Like, okay, so throwing a Frisbee. Well, if you can throw it at like six different ways and you can throw it further than anybody else. <laughs> so I'm watching that going like, yep, yeah, I can't do that. Nope, nope, can't do that. Officially a sport. Sport. You're a sport. Okay. Well... <laughs> you mentioned before you mentioned politics. Well, okay. What about the debate team? Isn't that kind of a sport? You're comp You're competing. You're some people do break sweats. Uh, crickets. No, I, I, I'm I mean, you've got to think about, like, 
I mean, yeah, I mean, you're, the brain power. I mean, you're exercising that brain power. And it has to be quick. It has to be quick. You, yes, and you have to know what the fuck you're talking that, about. That's the thing that cracks me up about so There's this strategy. Every, everybody that argues this conversation knows, knows, and that's half the reason why they're arguing it, they know that there's underlying factors that link these things. Like the debate team. They're timed. There's pressure. There's preparation. There's all you check a whole bunch of fucking boxes that everything else that is a sport checks. Is it the same kind of thing? Well, no, but kind of, kind of, kind of. You're, you're and that's the thing. Like, uh, okay, competitive chess. You're, well, you're, okay, so I mean, you know. let me let me let me let me let me tell you on that. Like chess. There are chess players who are world-renowned. Like, people know Bobby Fischer. Thank you. I mean, there are – people know these know these names. What What are your boxes for in, in that instance for a sport? It's timed, scored, there's pressure, there's one-on-one competition. No, we're good. So or, competi- or competition. Um. If you're leaving it to contact, well, that's fucking weird that that's a thing that <laughs> that qualifies. Uh, no, because there's a whole. Uh, bunch of, what about curling? What about well, what any, contact have, between have, curling stones? I mean, but what about contact? Track. track. Exactly. Track. There's a, contact. What your feet hitting the ground? I feel like contact is a little bit. That's. You you will never you will never beat the Olympic the, the Olympic the Olympic argument. You you are you trying to tell me right now that every race in the Olympics, every the shot put, discus, javelin, all of them, the high jump, long jump, triple jump, I could go on for a day and a half. Not sports, not sports, not sports, not sports, because they don't have. Con- they don't have- Are you kidding me? Do you know what type of athlete you have to be to do all that yeah. stuff? Uh huh. Athlete. Yeah. Yeah, athlete. No, no, no. What do athletes do? Right. They so, do sports. Not to mention, can we have the conversation for once and for all, especially in COVID nineteen, that it's kind of fucking weird why we keep arguing for the right to touch each other and to be awkwardly close to everybody? Like, like, oh, a sport is not a sport unless it's weird that we sweat on each other and touch each other. No, the contact part. Yeah, the <laughs> you, contact you, part. Yeah, you had, you had me worried there for a second. No, no, I wasn't going off track. Like, it's not a sport unless we touch each other and sweat each other. Whoa. Well, whether or not that's a thing, okay, but isn't that fucking weird? It's not. It's it's not emotional until we sweat on each other. Well, I mean, okay. Well, I mean, damn. If you want to add that in, sex a sport. I mean, <laughs> well, okay. Look at it this way: you're sweating on each other. I was gonna uh, say you have I to have some. I mean, if you're doing it right, you have to have some level of athleticism. I was, I was like, uh, I mean, there. If, hey, if you you're not competing, hey man. Our our podcast is <laughs> is no holds barred, nothing off the table. But I was gonna say like I mean I try to compete to do my best. Can't, you talk, know? can't touch wide receivers, but you just took it. Okay, uh, edit. I mean, uh, damn. Uh, dick talk. 
<laughs> but I mean, damn, think about it. it. It checks a lot of boxes. It does. All of so, them check I mean, a lot of boxes. So I feel like the whole contact thing and as you so colorfully put it, sweating on each other. Sweating. Like, I feel like that should be taken out of the fucking equation. <laughs> because you know? isn't it fucking weird that we would stick up for the right to do that? That That's like, it's not a sport unless we exchange bodily fluids. Short of that. <laughs> short of that. And, and Brian, I'm telling you this. I, I'm not... Everybody listening to this will think that I'm mocking this. You'd almost think that that was coming from somebody who has never played sports. That didn't come from like a, a sports family. I w- I came out of the womb raised on nothing but alcoholism and sports. <laughs> like I, 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 it literally, I I am I have spent the better part of the 39 years on this planet dedicated either to playing or coaching sports. I have left the better part of my brain on this planet. And I'm still like, I don't understand this. Then like, there's only certain things that are sports and everything else is something else. It's not the same. But on the other hand, I kind of understand how that works because in, in the spirit of our podcast, we're trying to figure out the bigger meaning behind things. That's the way we handle a lot of shit. It's either, it's, it's either, one way or the other. It can't be something in between. It's it's either us or nothing. But that's just so one-sided. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it, I, mean, I mean, if you're living in, inside of a fucking box, it's just so one-sided. And, it's, and, it's, and it takes away, and that's the thing that really sucks. And let me tell you. From a coming from a family that dedicated itself to, you know, I had my sports, but I had two sisters who dedicated themselves to what was predominantly considered to be female sports and to be less than. I won't accept that shit. I won't accept that. Those girls busted their ass as much as or equal to what I did. And that doesn't just apply itself to, you know, they, they played high school softball. Both of them did. Um, they were high school cheerleaders, but they were competitive dancers and gymnasts all of their youth. And I can tell you that they busted their ass more at doing what they did than I did. Their father, their father, who was my football coach, who was the the football guy that did, didn't believe that there was anything else but football on this planet for being a sport, he, they broke him of that to say, like, hey, man, dancers and, and cheerleaders are, are pretty badass, too. They deserve that equal billing. Well, I feel like, I feel like the women's national soccer team pretty much shut down all of that. Because I mean, they they played. I mean, they got they got a whole country just that the men's national team sucked. I, I mean, we couldn't we couldn't even make it. Brian, out, we we couldn't even we couldn't make it out of the or the division in the World Cup, and they were winning back to back. So I'll, I'll tell you what, 
and I hate to I hate to cut you off on this, but being from you know where Abby Wein, Abby Wambach is from, right? You know, yes, from, yes, I do. Yeah. And I'm not saying that to to promote. I'm saying that quite the quite the opposite is a negative. Um, the women's national team win should have advanced women's sports far more than it should. Even here, where Abby's from, there was the savage undertone of, well, they're not really girls. Because Abby, Abby, Abby was outspoken. So? I mean, this is the country you fought for, brother. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not talking from. No, it's not. It's not. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was. It wasn't. Brian, let me tell you this. And anybody that's listening to this will, you can argue it, but once you do even a Google, it'll prove me right. It wasn't women's sports. It was women's asterisk sports that won. Hey, but we got to look at it. We got to have the conversation. I mean, we're really right. It, it, well, that, that's exactly what it is. Fucking stupidity. It is and we can't stupidity. just say fucking stupid. We I can't mean, just say Jesus. like, oh man, these girls did something amazing. Every single, even local media thing had that like, oh, they had the evening conversation about Abby and her girlfriends. Like what? I, I, I'm sitting here going like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? It has nothing to do with anything. As if there was some genetically mutated freaks that happened. This wasn't. Is is cat asleep? This cat asleep. It's not yeah, like yeah. it's it's not like the Russian like swimming team that like <laughs> they they came out like all all busted out. It's but but it, the way that it was portrayed. Because it was something different. It's like, yeah, they did great, but. And especially because, you know, when they were over there, they made the political statement. And I'm like, I'm sitting there going, when I when they did that, especially because being from Rochester, we, we saw everything, everything they sneezed, coughed, did anything. We heard about it. And being progressive, we were like, yeah, goddamn right, girls, go. But when they did that, I was like, oh. That's gonna cost him, because somebody's gonna get distracted on that. Well, and they did. They did. Two things. Two things. One, um, Cat is one of our four listeners, so she heard <laughs> that. So congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, you would think it being the time it is. You know, it, 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 this was this was only a, a few years ago. Right. So you would think by now, none of that shit would matter. Oh, it does. It does. We're not coming from two positions that are like anti-sports. I've had right. anti-sport friends that are just like, ah, I don't know how you guys do this. And I've had to have the well, yeah, pro sports conversation. If, if anybody's ever told you you have to sweat and spit, then throw in the sex thing and just be like, well, is sex a sport then? I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. And it's, you know what? Just, you know what? Just for you. Oh, no. What are you doing? 
we we're missing context. We need context in this whole thing. I don't know where in the hell this. Oh, oh. Just for you, you get the lava lamp. The lava lamp. You, Welcome you, you to sh- Brian's boom boom room. You should feel special. <laughs> oh. But getting back to what you were saying with um, I mean the women's national soccer team. Okay, so what? You know, that does not that does not negate. Their accomplishments, and not only that, there were like what? Only a couple of them that were lesbians. So fucking what? So fucking what? Exactly. Here, and let me tell you, even she, she was. Okay, I am so an Abby. I am an Abby Wambach fan. I mean, yeah, now, she's gone through imagine, some stuff in her personal life, but you know, don't we all? Could but, could you imagine being? And she was a national icon. Yes. Could you imagine what it was like around here? Like they had set up parades and everything, and all of a sudden everything backed down, and it was just like, oh, she has this stance on this and the other thing. And I'm sitting, I'm literally sitting here, not being a soccer fan, not being any, you know, not being Olympian fan, whatever. Going like, what the fuck does that matter? And you know what I got? Nothing. Nothing. No response to anything. Going like she is a she's a homegrown national sports icon that you could, if for no other reason, hitch your your economic self for. You could bring her back for a speech once every six months, and she would sell out an arena every yes. single time. Every single time they tried that once, once in the soccer arena. That's no longer it doesn't even have soccer anymore. You know what? This is, and, and because of its sexual orientation, what the fuck are we talking about? Exactly. And I mean, in what this day and age, you fucking serious that that's a thing? But that wasn't, he, a, that wasn't my, a thing 30 years ago, Brian. Here's my, here's my point. Point to all this. We both have daughters, right? Yes. Yeah. And if those daughters choose to get into sports and – I mean, if you if you really look at it, women's sports. Let, let, let's let, take into account WNBA. I mean, I don't really get into the NBA. Okay, so we both have daughters, and if they choose so, we both have daughters, and if they choose so to play sports, I. This is the thing. I would look to the women's national team. That won the World Cup, not once but twice, has, yes, you can do that. You can accomplish something like that. It doesn't, it's not going to fucking matter that one or two of them, their sexual orientation. It does not fucking matter. No, it does not. Nope. You're ignoring the 10,000 pound elephant in the room. Here's my question to you, Lily Beth decides to be part of a soccer team. Yeah. When she's 18, 19 years old, decides to tell you, Daddy, I think I like girls. Okay. That's the difference between your hypothetical and mine. It's not just playing sports, which is what we're supposed to focus on. Because that's what we're here for, right? 
not your sexual orientation or what your beliefs are. It's supposed to be your aptitude for sports. Exactly. That's not what they're focusing on. They're focusing on the fact that they're what they are fighting for outside of that. You can, and you can't tell me everything that your daughter or my daughter. So Michaela becomes a national soccer, softball, whatever the hell she wants to do, icon. And then it comes out when she's 16 or 18 years old that, like, oh, by the way, I think I like girls. Are you trying to fucking tell me? Not you, Brian. But you, our listeners, the American society, trying to tell me that everything that she has accomplished, everything that she has laid out that we're, we have... We have defined as as the most dedicated children, scholar athletes, athletes that we have grown our children to be is completely now erased and or negated to the point where the, she's in the negative now because, oh, by the way, I, I, I kind of like girls. Is that what we're saying right now? Yes. Sounds to me that's exactly what they are saying. We're saying, yeah. And you know what? It's like the last episode that we had. It's like the episode before that. If that's what we're saying, it's about time that we have that conversation and not shy away from it. And that's not saying whether or not you're right and they're wrong or vice versa. It's the fact that we all come clean and what we're thinking. Because when Abby, Abby... Abby well, it, sound, it sounds to me like they're exactly – that's exactly what they are, wrong, they are wrong because it should not hinge on what their sexual orientation is. I will and agree that with, should not fucking matter. I will agree with you, Brian, but I will tell you this. In this area, when you called them out for that and said, is that, what, is that why you're calling out Abby? No, no. Oh, God, no. It's it, it's it goes back to that whole thing. You ever you ever listen to somebody that says, "I'm not racist, but," <laughs> but what what is the first thing that comes out of those people's mouths after they say that? Usually a racist something joke or something wildly racist, completely right? racist. Right? Yes, I'm, we, I'm yeah, not, we've I'm had not, that conversation. Or 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 <laughs> I love the. I'm not against gays, but but it's the most homophobic thing you may have ever heard. At least today, if not that. And you know what? If, if for no other reason but this podcast alone, I understand that. I don't agree with it. I understand that. It's time that we put those chips on the table and stop pretending to be something that we're not. So in in to go back to the context of this story, that when Abby Wambach, one of the biggest athletic heroes that this region of upstate New York has ever seen was masqueraded and was not even masqueraded. You should see it. Like there was, there was companies that just jumped out and like, Oh, Abby's going to come and speak for us and this, that, and the other thing. And it was just shut down by activist groups and this, that, and the other thing. It's just like, I'm sitting there going like, wait a minute, this did not take away with what you did. The reason why you wanted to bring her in the reason why you wanted to bring her in is because she's an amazing athlete 
who did an amazing athletic achievement, right? Right? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, the fact that she's a lesbian does not affect the fact that she achieved an amazing athletic feat, which is why you brought her in here. Well, no. No, it doesn't change the reason why you brought her in here. You don't have to have that conversation. Because I know you don't want to. We here, I don't care if six people listen to it. We're going to have that conversation. And we're going to give just due for anybody that listens to this podcast for the greatest athletes that we've ever seen. And that's one of them. Are you telling? (laughs) And the funny thing is, Brian, as you know, we've only been out here so long. You and I know each other because of the time that we spent down near you. We have not, Jody and I have not been living here for 30 years. We don't have that many roots to the fact that we just throw up our things. Anything that gets excited about Rochester. This was a, 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 is a fundamental right of the thing going like, yeah, that's great. She should have her time. And we kind of went like, oh, that's great. Soccer too. And I went like, oh yeah, I heard about you on ESPN. Like go kind of go do your thing. Great. Did, everybody from Rochester that's known her, all of her high school friends, all of her college friends, go do your thing. Fucking blow down the town. Great. And they all shit on her. And I went, whoa. <laughs> Why are you all shooting on her? Well, you heard what she's sticking up for, right? Yeah. The fuck does that have to do with anything? Well, this, that, and the other thing. Okay. okay. What does that have to do with the reason why you brought her here? What was the reason you brought her here? Well, she's a fantastic soccer player, a great leader, uh, a great uh, inspiration for other female athletes. Well, okay. That should be it right right there. So so everything everything you're dinging her for, what the fuck does that have to do with any of that? Well, nothing, but, but dot, dot, dot. So you're dinging her for being an apple by for oranges. Really? Fucking have the conversation. Here's my perfect my perfect world. Bring her to the stadium. Bring her to the soccer stadium full of soccer girls who want to be amazing soccer players. Have her speak. Cheer her. Applaud her. If you've got to deal with who she is afterwards, which... Fuck you if you do, but that's your own deal. Wait until she leaves. They never gave her the chance to inspire girls in this area to become amazing soccer players or amazing athletes or amazing figureheads, not to mention the fact that she was a great fucking student. They didn't allow her the chance to inspire anybody. Everybody these days that are shooting down people don't realize you're not just taking down the shitheads. You're taking down the people that have the chance in certain constructs to be a great stimulus for other people. Abby Wambach could have... There was a point in time in this area in western New York where there were millions and millions of young athletes, boys and girls, that she could have been without any provocation, distribution, or promotion, could have done good for millions of kids. 
without having the conversation about her sexuality. Those kids would have not known any better. My son would have not known that she was a fucking lesbian. And because of our ignorance, because of our shut down, close it down, got to fight about something, the those few people she talked to, I guarantee you the parents of those kids were completely like, don't fucking listen to her. She's evil. Evil monster girl. Like, she probably talked to 50 kids. Maybe. Maybe. To the point where Abby was like, fuck it. Abby literally was like, I'm not dealing with y'all. I'm not coming out there. Millions of children. Millions of athletes and non-athletes, Brian. This thing is a shameful, shameful uh, uh, description of how we just... (laughs) I, I don't... What are we doing? And I'm... I'm I'm open enough to have a conversation with people to have an argument. This one and things like it, I'm kind of like, I want to hear your argument. Because I, I... I can get in the heads of my... Um, my devil's advocate. That's my ability. If anybody listening to this podcast... I guarantee you nobody will be able to argue against me better than I can. I don't know why. I just, I I feel I can play the devil's advocate. I've been told for far long enough that I might be wrong, that I can see the other side, but this one, I just can't. (laughs) Could you... To be honest, I'm completely speechless. I cannot believe... <laughs> Brian, Lilybeth, Lilybeth rises up to be one of the premier national players out of the state of Maryland. And Virginia. Michaela, or, oh, I'm sorry, Virginia. Does it really matter? No, it doesn't really matter. We're does, no longer does, in the People's no, Republic of no, Maryland. No. <laughs> but to the same effect, like, does it really matter if Michaela rises up to be like part of Team Canada? No, it doesn't. Really so, but. They they both they both rised up they they both rose up to be national soccer players, female lacrosse players. It does not matter, but let's pick for this instance soccer players, right? They go on to be teammates, whatnot, and it's they are reveled for not being academic but athletic. You know, bastions of being what the modern female should be, and then they just decide to be like, oh yeah, by the way. In, in good faith and, you know, present to everybody, like, dads, could you imagine on our podcast, on our podcast, 10 years from now, they say, dad, I, I think I like girls. Uh, see, they would be 12, so that's kind of like a, uh, okay. I don't know. Maybe... Okay, Captain Athletic. No, <laughs> Jesus. Thank you for blowing up. Okay. <laughs> So, okay, so eight, uh, 16. Eight, 16, eight, 20 years from now. No. 20 years. Jesus. This is good 20. Good 20. Okay, good 20. Edit, edit 13. No. <laughs> so, no, in real, the, the point right, of the matter. Right. I see what you say. As, 19, as, as 20 say. years old. So but by, now, then, by then, who knows? But it no. really doesn't matter. What matters is the fact that we are like, okay. 
Okay. And what are you what are you going to do, Brian? What are you going to do when the entire area of Virginia starts looking at your daughter and disapproving on everything she does and everything she's accomplished for her and her gender because of her sexual orientation? That is, that is when that is when. I'm going to hop in the car. I'm going to drive all the way to Rochester, Rochester, New York. <laughs> and we're going to do gonna something completely irrational. And then we're going to get our soapboxes. We're going to stack them together to make even bigger soapboxes. And then by that and point, we are going to. We Abby Wambach will be for like sale. It fucking is. We are going to oh, sell God. it like it fucking right. is. You know, who, Writing who, mental note now. Okay, so I've got about 10 years to make this career thing a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I, 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 I totally get what you're saying, but you know, the fact that... Uh, I, don't, I don't even right. know how to address this. I don't. I mean, it, it does not fucking matter, but normal, be, normal people think, thinking people, people like it should not even be so what i mean i, I will even take the fact that the thing is like if you don't have a problem it's 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 a and b it's not even it's right, not even but like, okay so what if she did come out that okay that's fine and good but you know when it when it comes to the kids they don't know any better so you just don't if that's not your thing and you're totally against it just don't even you know just don't even bring it up or maybe maybe people need to have that conversation. I don't. It's not my place. I just really? know that I, I just know that people people are fucking stupid, dude. People are so closed, goddamn minded. I just uh, like for me, it's difficult because like for me, it's difficult. It's difficult because. I know, I know a lot of lesbians. I mean, I, there are quite a few in the military. Brian, but, there's, there's but, but here's that... the thing though. Here's the thing though. Those are some of the best fucking soldiers I've ever served with. And there and are it people. It does not matter that they are fucking lesbians. It were, for me, it was cool, but that, that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> that's Brian, not to make not to make light it of it. Absolutely nothing to do with. It had absolutely nothing to do with that. And that thank they you. Were, like these are people that I would that that life and death type shit. And you know you, that, you trusted your life to them. And exactly. They, they trusted their life to them. Exactly. And there are people in this so country the that best soldiers I've fucking ever served with. But here's the thing, and I'm uh, I'm here's I, I'm I'm making a fight that I don't I believe in. But I, it's one of those fights that I'm losing steam on because I just realized there's no end. There are people in this country, and a lot of them, that feel like you should not have fought for them. Their life was not worth fighting for. How is that a fucking thing? You, you just characterize them. You just characterize them as the best, the best in war teammates in in and what i perceive 
and this is me not having any experience in this. You, you, you people were broken down to the most primitive hunter-gatherer sense of humanity. Forget left, right, forget Republican, Democrat, forget all of that bullshit that we come up to with the freedom of today. And when it was broken down to the most primitive nature of humanity, you trusted her, she trusted you, and all of that. You did not care about somebody's sexual persuasion. You cared, you cared about their ability to care for you and your ability to care for them. Did you at any point think about even if you know that a, a woman next to you is a lesbian, did you did you think about them any less about your, their ability to care for your life no. because of their sexual situation? No, now, no, that's no, no, no. Black, white, gay, straight, it did not, in all honesty, it did not fucking matter. What it all boiled down to was could you do your job? And and that's the thing. And what I was saying earlier. Can you can you I, want, can you cover my ass when the shit goes down? That's really what it all boils down to. In the hunter gatherer sense of the term, which I will be the first one to say I have no experience in, and that's why I resolve. I, I I depend on you for, but it's that thing that just takes away all of our bullshit. It takes away all of our innuendos and smoke and mirrors. Did you care about any of that stuff when it came down to the humanity of people? Which I would concern, which I contend is the thing that we build ourselves up from. Like, And that's, a, that's what I use your experiences for, is saying, like, you did not care whether or not the the female in your... in you know, your situation could protect you. Did you ever think about whether or not she was a lesbian, whether or not she could protect your life? Like, you know, me saying that out loud is preposterous. Like, that's fucking insulting. I mean, the thing well, was, like, the thing was, like, I knew, like, I knew there were, we knew there were lesbians. So what? What did that have to do with anything? Exactly. Once they, here, once they come back here, once they come back here, so when we have the, the casuality of life, we're like, oh, the best man. What? And, and, well, what? okay. Here, here's the thing, and and this is the only time I, I'm, I'm I'm this is the only time I'm gonna address it. The only time I'm gonna talk about it because, like, black, white, gay, straight, Muslim, Christian, it did not fucking matter. Like when you are in a situation, and this is the only fucking time I want to talk about this. When you are in a situation to where, and and I, I learned this in basic. Well, hell, I knew this before, even before basic. I mean, I when you are thrust into a situation to where you both experience the same things, um, you both endure the same hardships, you both go through the shit together, and you know that that person. Person, that soldier, you can rely you when you know that you can rely on them when it comes nut cutting time, that's all that fucking matters. Right. That's all that fucking matters. 
And I believe that when you go through, I mean, be it Marines, Navy, you know what? I'm not even going to say Air Force. Army, Navy, (laughs) Marines, you know, those sort of things. Like, well, yeah, okay, my Air Force brothers and sisters. But when you go through those things together, there is that bond. Like, like, I mean, shit, we have our own lingo. It did not matter what anything else was. It was, could you rely on that person to, to, could you rely on that person to carry your ass if you need, if need be, and vice versa? You know, it's, it's that foxhole mentality. It's a, it's called, it's a foxhole mentality. It's like who, it didn't matter who you were in the foxhole with as long as you could rely on them. Brian, if it, let's say hypothetically, and I, it, tell me if I'm getting out of hand with the hypotheticals, but if you were in Afghanistan and if you were gotten shot, if you were lying and in need of help and somebody came up to you that you knew was a lesbian or, or a homosexual male, would you look at them and say, no? Don't help me. I don't agree with your values. I get. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell you straight up. And I guarantee you, anybody, any and everybody, if we're they were in that situation, it didn't matter if black, white, you know, race didn't play a, play a role. Right. Gender didn't play a role. Religion didn't play a role. Thank you. If I if I'm laying there bleeding the fuck out, I don't give a fuck who comes and gets me as long as somebody does. Right. And I guarantee you anybody, anybody in that situation, any and everybody in that situation will not give a shit. Right. When it comes to your life, nobody will give a shit. Now, to take a step back. You're not going to stop and say, whoa, you're gay. Right. Oh, now, what, I, what no, I would. Get me the fuck out of here. What we what we aim to do for those of you that are listening to this podcast. Our aim is to back out that. That natural inclination. Further, for life, for sports, for parenthood, for anything that we are looking to do, to be all-inclusive. I know I can speak for Brian in saying that we don't understand how we can be exclusive when we talk about sports, how we can talk about parenthood or anything in life. Like, it's just all part of the whole thing. When we drill down on things to the hunter-gatherer, the primitive of life on the line, it doesn't matter how we back things back, way far back, like 100 steps back, when it comes to what we consider to be sports. And I'm saying 100 steps back. Now, to make things, it's not even close. Those are way, you know, removed things. There's still cause. There's a causational relationship between the two. Things that I'm I'm counting on you, Brian, is to, to tell me a little bit about the scenarios that I can't 
you know, identify with, like when, when you drill down to the hunter gatherer sense of humanity, which I think in our podcast, we try to do, even though we're talking about everyday dadship and sports sportsmanship, like when it comes down to what you count on for a human being, did you even give one rat's ass as to what somebody's sexual humanity, sexual identification is when it came down to in, in, in like in the shit. And I apologize for that. If that's, is that a thing? That's a real thing. That like, actually I, is, that actually is a thing. And I, I pull my, I pull my shit from common media and that's that's how we got to this yeah, part. See, there you go. That's where you fuck up. That's where everybody fucks up is 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 drawing on media. The media don't don't take media out of it. Media you you really can't. You honestly doesn't matter who says it, but like you can't believe everything. So when it, when it tells you, were... you, but what it, what it all boils down to, and it's 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 simple survival. It's a, it is the most basic human instinct. Of survival, what it do does you... not. When when your ass is hung up, it does not fucking matter who comes to help you, as long right. as somebody does. It does not matter what their religion, race, creed. If somebody's dragging your ass out of the fucking kill zone, you, it does not matter one bit. Brian, you lot, were, it opens a lot of people's fucking eyes. Let me, let me after the fact, but when it is all like, when it is all right there in front of your face, and you know that you you're about to fucking die, it does not matter who comes and helps you. And and, and just for clarity, unless what you just said didn't clarify that enough. You and I have been as close as brothers. I don't have a brother, but if I did, I would, I would be as close to him as I, I am of you. Well, and I do when, have a brother, when, and we and I, were actually I, I, a lot I, closer. Well, because <laughs> that motherfucker just, hasn't called his mother at all on Mother's and, Day or her <laughs> birthday. Deep, deep dive on that one. Deep dive right. on that one. But what I'm the reason why I'm mentioning that is because I'm saying. In that instance of your most primitive self in the Middle East, when you were deprived of everything that is smoke and mirrors of what we consider to be important, everything they were like, you're supposed to care about this and you're supposed to fight about this, right? And this, right? Everything that we put on a lawn ornament stake flag, did you give one rat's ass? about the color or persuasion about those that were fighting next to you at the time that we were drilled down to be the most primitive self that we are, the hunter-gatherer. Did you give one rat's ass about what it was? Well, let me let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Pat. Have you seen any war movie in the past ever? Because if you look at if you look at it, Pretty much all of them, they have that. It, it pretty much tells. It pretty much tells everything. All of them, and to 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 your point, if you're actually asking me that, all of them have bridged racial, gender, 
sexual orientation lines. They've, they've all way, way some before, type of fucking gap. 30, so, sometimes, sometimes 30 years before we even made that a conversation. Right, and, and if you've ever seen any war, fucking war movie, I mean, it, yeah, there some of them are made up, some of them are true to fact, but like, if you've ever seen any fucking war movie within the past ever, you will know that yes, there is some gap bridged at some point. Brian, who is Forrest Gump's best friend in that in that movie? <laughs> Bubba. Bubba. I mean, I, I'm not gonna go through all of them, but. I mean, uh, look at the one with uh, Andrew Garfield. Um, I can't remember the name of it offhand, right off the top of my head. I probably should because I do know movies and pop culture. But, I mean, he was a he, he was a non-combatant. And yet he was... Are you talking about Full Metal Jacket? No, not Full Metal Jacket. But even in Full Metal Jacket, you saw it. But no, it was it the Andrew Garfield, uh, the one, the recent, most recent one. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the most. Well, I don't want to say the most recent World War II movie because, goddamn, there's so many. And Elma Ed, just for the record, 1917, great movie. It is a must-watch. That whole movie was shot, from what I understand, in one, one continuous shot. Yes, yes, it was beautifully shot. Amazing, it was amazing to me. It was, and the, not a lot of people give World War, World War One was horrible. Not a lot of glamour in it because it was trench warfare. But how fucked up is that, too? By the way. Oh, trench warfare is is horrible. But 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 you, to your point, what you just said. What did you repeat? What you just said. Not a lot not, of people. Not, not a lot. lot of, no. Yeah. no what do you say? Not a lot of what? Yeah, not a lot of people. Not a lot of people. No, you said not a lot of glamour. In no, it. there's not. There's no glamour in it. There is absolutely there no glamour. But there can't be a World War Two without a World War One. Well, did you know that there almost wasn't a World War Two? Yeah. I'm, there were, I'm a historian. I forget, it, I forget his name. I, I forget just, his name. But but there was a there was an English soldier that had Adolf Hitler in World War One dead in his fucking sights and did not shoot his sorry ass. Dead in his sights, did not shoot him. Mm. So there there could have been a an avoided World War Two. And mass genocide, but I just hope there were. But but bringing it back, bringing it back. Did World, did World War One was not as glamorous as World War Two. Nineteen Seventeen, great movie. Bringing it back a little bit more. If you look at all move all war movies, there's always some type of there's always some type of give. There's always some type of um. You said the word. It's all uh, one of the one of your big words. <laughs> I hate to say this. There's always some type of survival instinct type when you don't really give a shit who's saving your life. It's down to the deal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Survival mode. Then bringing it back a the little hunter bit. Gatherer. The hunter gatherer. The hunter gatherer instinct. Bringing it back a little bit further. Bring it back into sports. 
It does not fucking matter. That's what it all boils down to. It does not fucking matter. You you play on petty shit. When you start playing on the petty shit, then everything else becomes petty. That's all I'm saying. That is brutal. And I'm going to leave it on that. Once once you make one big thing petty, then everything else becomes petty and then you just you're just a fucking asshole. So <laughs> I'm going to leave it on that. I love it. I love it. That's what we're going to end on tonight. He's Brian with a big finish. <laughs> with a little bow out. We'll talk to you next week on the whole fucking deal. See you next week. Holy cow. <laughs>